For some reason, I can't hardly see today. I don't know what it is. I've tried to fix it, and I can't fix it. So bear with me as I try to keep up with the word that's sitting right here close in front of me. We're going to John 3.16 again. That's a, a verse that we're all very familiar with. The only verse i ever known except for one other once or twice that we see in the end zone of televised football games. Somebody used to always have a sign sitting up there, John 3.16. I can recollect, it hadn't been too awful long ago, as a young man riding around Alabama, that there would be a, like a one-by-four or one-by-six board about three feet long. And it'd be painted white and written on it sometimes in, in uh, very primitive letters. <laughs> Not by a sign painter. But it'd say something like God is love. Or it'd say something like John 3.16. They used to be nailed to trees all up and down the highway. You don't see them anymore. We were reminded of the God we served just by riding down the road. Not much of that's going on today. I can remember what a man told me years and years ago. We were talking about witnessing and how to witness and how not to witness and what to say and what not to say. And he brought, spoke up and he said, well, you know what? A Christian, a born-again believer, bringing to a person's mind God himself in a day that he would not otherwise have thought of God is a witness in itself, no matter what words you use. And I've learned to appreciate that. Because some folks in their just their everyday talk will bring God to your mind just by standing and talking with them for just a minute or two. And I thank God for that and the influence they have on all the rest of us. The title of today's message is Should Not Perish. We want to zero in on that word perish. All of us have said it over and over again till we really know what it meant in that day in our word, what the Bible word perish meant. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. What does that mean? But have everlasting life. That's a contrast. For God sent not his Son into the world, 17, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. I think that's an interesting thing right there to bring to our minds because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
He's condemned already. You know, I think of a story about Phil Robinson. You know, he's the guy in Louisiana with all the hair on his face. It seems like to a lot of people, one of the last people you would see that'd be preaching for Jesus Christ. Told a story about a man from Alabama that called him from South Alabama, wanted to buy some some duck calls. And during the whole course of the conversation, the guy was using the Lord's name in vain. And when he got his order made out, and all said, could I speak to you about something else for a minute? And the guy said, yeah. He said, what is it? He said, I just want to know what in the world would possess a person to cuss as many times as you did, the only person that can get him out of this world alive. And the guy got to thinking about it after he hung up, got one of his buddies in to pick up with him. They both drove to Louisiana, and both of them got saved by what Phil Robinson told them. And now he's a guy in South Alabama that's evangelizing for Jesus himself. He tells everybody about Christ. And I think about the people, some of them that I've known, that wouldn't even sit in front of somebody who was using language like that much less in a way that wouldn't turn them off that reminded them of something they had no clue about. This man did not know that he was cussing the God that could save him. He didn't realize that. I'm sure he didn't, or he wouldn't have done it. Nobody would. But people are all over like that, and all they need is a word I had a preacher one time tell me, he said, well, I wouldn't even talk to somebody like that. I'd tell him my brain wasn't a garbage can and I didn't want to hear it. I said, yeah, and he'd walk off lost, just like he did when he walked up. Because you have a problem with the way some folks talk. I said, if you get them saved, they're not going to talk like that. I guarantee you they won't. In public, anyhow. Because he won't be inside of them. But then God's got somebody for everybody. You know that? But he that believes not is condemned already. Do you understand that? Adam and Eve were created not to die. They brought sin into the world and they brought death with sin. Eve thought that what God was telling her was if she ate of the fruit of the tree, she would die for eating it. But what she didn't realize was Satan was tricking her. He didn't lie to her. He just made her believe another version that if she ate of the tree, she would die. She had no clue that he was talking about on down the road, not right now. And a lot of people have had those ideas like that. But with sin came death. 
And after that, everyone who has been born in the world was born with an old sin nature. That thing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for. That sin nature that you inherited that you didn't ask for. It came with you. And that's what he's talking about right here. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But he's condemned already. Everybody who does not believe in Jesus Christ is already going to hell. And that's what so many people don't believe. They don't understand that if you do not believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, your God is Satan. And you're part of his world. They think some kind of way there's got to be some kind of neutral zone in there. That there are bad people that follow Satan. The good people follow Jesus Christ. And then there's a bunch in the middle that don't have a destination. But they don't know that those in the middle are following Satan too. And they don't realize that. There's no slack. I've got that written in my scripture. I wrote it this week. There's no slack. There's no slack in the Bible. I got to thinking about the places in the Bible I could find slack. You know what slack is. That's when you're operating in the loose part. You don't believe it one word at a time. You don't believe it one letter at a time. You don't believe it's just like that. You believe there's a little bit of slack that folks get. I can remember one place in Proverbs where it says, if a person is stealing because he's hungry, the people won't hold it against him as bad. People give him slack. God doesn't say that he did. So there's not a lot of slack built in to what God says about what we do and what we don't do and what he tolerates and what he doesn't tolerate. But I want to share this with you. It says, if we don't believe in Jesus Christ, we perish. Now let me tell you about that word. In no instance does a word signify the cessation of conscious existence or consciousness. Nowhere in our Bible does it say if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you will cease to exist. Everybody lives forever. You hear me? Everybody's got everlasting life. Some of them are going to have it with Jesus and some of them are going to have it in hell. And that's what he's talking about. Here is indicated that the state of conscious suffering which continues eternally and is the inevitable result of sin. Here it says that you're not going to cease to exist when you die. You're going to live in a different place. And you're going to suffer eternally. Now there's one thing about this lake of fire and hell that has stuck in my mind since I was little. 
when I learned that the nerves that hurt when you get burnt, I don't care if it's just something as simple as burning a place on your finger. You can hold your finger to the, a hot skillet. And if you can hold it there long enough, it'll quit hurting. You can hold your finger or any part of your body on heat and it'll stay there long enough, it won't hurt anymore. Did you know that? When you brand a cow, if you hold that branding iron on her long enough, it doesn't hurt just when it first touches her. And when you leave it there to make that mark, it kills the nerve cells. And the nerves don't respond to the heat anymore, and it doesn't hurt. If you don't die, your nerves won't die. And if your nerves won't die, the one thing that helps us when we get burnt or get up against something hot is that we quit hurting in a little bit, just a little bit. That won't happen when we die because we don't believe or we perish because we don't believe in Jesus Christ. You will feel the pain forever. And that stuck in my mind. And I can't imagine that kind of a torture. I think about the guy in the scripture talking about if you just could put one drop of water on my tongue because I'm tormented with pain that was in hell. The Bible word that is used here for perish is the Greek word apolomai meaning marred or lost. It means that something, you've lost it, or it's messed up where it won't work as good as it's supposed to. That's the word perish. We were originally created to do good works, the Bible says, but because of Adam's sin, we were born as marred or lost. And we're born enemies to God. I had a lady in another church. I taught that in Sunday school class. She went straight to the preacher's office after Sunday school and said that I had just tried to teach her that she was an enemy of God before she was saved. That's what it says. That's what it says. Matthew 18, 11 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek that which was lost, marred, messed up, unfit for its original purpose. Our Bible never suggests that we ever even lose consciousness when our spirit is leaving our body, our flesh. We don't go to sleep or we don't die. We continue to have spiritual thought. Our mind continues to work. And we remain conscious in our spirit. Our body's laying there, but the thing that makes us unique than anybody else, that thing, that soul and spirit that's inside of us, continues to operate. It never stops. One Bible scholar likens it to our soul stepping over a crack in the sidewalk. If you're walking along and you die, your soul, your, your mind, your spirit just keeps right on walking. 
into wherever it is you're going to spend eternity. If you're on your way to heaven, you're face to face, the Bible says, with Jesus Christ. Immediately. In the twinkling of an eye. I've even read how short it takes for an eye to blink. But that's how quickly you'll be staring Jesus in the face. But if you're on your way to hell, you're going to your place of torment and immediately you're suffering. I don't understand how it works. I had no idea when I watched that show Ghost on TV that they would have both caricatures in that movie of a man, a good man going to heaven and a bad man going to hell. But how those movie producers can replicate that and make it look so much like Jewish history tells you about going to heaven and going to hell. And how pleasant heaven is. And what a good feeling they made you watching the movie see that what you'd feel like if you saw heaven open up and you coming. Too many people years ago, folks, dying in their bedroom with a window open can describe hell to the people that was in, I mean, heaven that was in the room with them. I have talked with a lot of those folks and I believe what those people were saying as they were leaving their body and seeing heaven and on their way there. And I've also had the experience of hearing and hearing people talk about hearing. People dying in their beds at home, screaming, and people all up and down the street could hear them screaming as they were leaving this world, going to where they were going. Nowadays, so many people die in hospitals under the effect of drugs that they don't see those kind of things, I'm afraid. Or if they can, they can't intelligently repeat them to somebody. But I believe they happen. And there's nothing that I know in Scripture that says they didn't. But they showed an evil man in that movie being carried off to hell by demon spirits. In that movie, I think the greatest story ever told, you know, they showed the death angel coming through Egypt as some purple-looking smoke traveling through Egypt, getting all the firstborn children, the firstborn sons, and killing them. And the wails of the people as they were looking at that situation. There's no way I can forget it. To me, heaven has got to be the most beautiful place it ever was. And my Bible describes it as a place that I can't even imagine how good it is. And hell is a place that is so bad that I can't imagine how bad it is either. But either way, what we need to understand is the Bible does not tell that our mind ever quits working. That it keeps right on working every second, just like our heart beating. The people around us can't see it anymore, can't hear it anymore. 
but what we're experiencing is our next life, good or bad. The Bible does not teach either that there is a place that the unsaved go to a temporary place of holding where their fate, where they're going to heaven and hell is going to be decided. Our friends, the Catholics, have this idea that, that, that if you die with an unforgiven sin in your life, that you will go to a place that is neither heaven nor hell. There's no place in the Bible for that. That my aunt was praying for my father. Wanted me to pray for him after he died. I said, there's no use for me to do that. I know enough about that already. That when he took his last breath, his destination was decided at that point. And there's no way you can pay or pray them out of where they are in the middle. They're on their way where they're going. It's a doctrine that they teach. They also teach a doctrine that when babies are baptized, that they're born again, they're saved from that point on. I don't know about you. I don't know how many Catholics you might have attempted to witness and turn over to Jesus Christ, but it's hard to do because they think they're there already. I've had four that I know of that are some of the best followers of Jesus Christ I've ever seen. But they still want their grandbabies baptized when they're babies. They can't quit believing that. It's very important to them. But nowhere does the Bible talk about baptizing babies. It was started after Jesus left this world. People don't understand that 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you don't know that, you need to understand. When you ask Jesus to forgive you of the sins you know about that you've done, he takes care of all the ones you don't know about. And believe me, there are ways I've seen them and I've experienced them. There are ways that you can sin that you don't even know you're sinning. You can make a comment about somebody that happens to be across the counter in a grocery store. And they can hear your comment and when they walk around they can see who made it. And it's an insult that you've done. You've offended them and you have no clue that you've even said anything about that person because you didn't know they was over there. There are ways to sin without realizing that you do it. But when you ask God to forgive you for those that you do know about, He forgives you for all your unrighteousness, every bit of it. That includes when you die. You do not have to have a preacher or a priest 
praying over you for the sins that you've committed since you asked forgiveness. Because God has already taken care of it if you take care of the one you know about. That scripture's a promise to us. So if you get killed in a time that you didn't think you would, you don't have time to prepare for it. You're still covered if you're a born-again believer and you've asked for forgiveness of sins. But we're not to waste God's grace. Paul said that. Because God gives you stuff that you don't deserve. Because he treats you in a way that none of us deserve. That all that he gives us, we don't have coming. You're not to waste it just because he gives it to you for nothing. Salvation is a very, very important thing. And I think we'll see that in a minute too. So we don't want to waste it. But the idea of perishing is not in our future. I'm not going to die and never know anything else that's going on. That won't happen to me, I don't believe. If you will, please turn to Revelation chapter 20. We'll see another part of this thing called perishing. There's something in our scripture in Revelation chapter 20 that's called the great white throne judgment. There are several judgments that will be given to Christians and to unsaved folks too. But this is one of the biggest. Revelation chapter 20 and starting with verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it. Now that's Jesus. For years I thought it was God, but it's not. That's Jesus that is sitting on the great white throne. From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. That's no place to hide. When it comes time for the great white throne judgment, every living human being in the world will not be able to hide from his face. He'll be looking at every one of us down in our souls and it'll be Jesus. It said in John 5, 22, for the Father judgeth no man. God is not in the judging business but hath committed all judgment to the Son. So all the judgments that we will have anything to do with will be run by Jesus Christ. So it'll be the Son at this judgment, the great white throne. And I saw the dead, small and the great, standing before the throne. It says literally, but here it says standing before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now see that. These people were judged according to their works. 
Now listen to me. This is the lost of the earth. This is not the saved. The born again people are not in the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is for the people who refuse to be saved. The trial is fixed. They're already on their way to hell. Because you see, works will not save you outside of believing in Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And no man cometh to the Father except by me. The only way you can get to heaven and to life eternally with God and Jesus is to believe in Jesus Christ. These people did not believe in Jesus Christ. So the trial was set up by God in a way it's kind of like the system now that we abuse by letting people sit on death row for 25 years. I just want to make sure they had another chance is what so many of us think. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Verse 13, somebody asked me about that long, not long ago. What if it happened you fall, fell over off a boat and drowned and the fish eat you up? Well, here they are right here. They still showing up. God comes and gets you no matter what happened to you. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the death which was in them. So those who have died and their spirits went to a temporary hell, they're standing before this judgment also. And they were judged every man according to their works. They get a chance to stand before Jesus, who they have already turned down. Didn't want anything to do with it. Look at the first chapter of Romans if you want to. God hates wrath, or brings wrath on those that sin, and he hates sin. Now, we, our very nature is that we tend to want to give God a little bit of a grandfather complex in being who he is and not being who he is. Well, you know, granddaddy lets us buy with stuff, so God must let us buy with stuff too. We're always trying to build slack in the relationship. God doesn't have any slack. He does what he says he's going to do, and when it comes time to do it, he does it. But they had a chance to try to prove to Jesus that some way other than him, they've got the right to spend eternity with him in heaven. And it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That's it. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Those that came out of hell went back to the lake of fire. Those that were living on the earth that chose not to follow Jesus Christ and believe him went to the lake of fire. Everybody in this judgment goes to the lake of fire because none of them chose Jesus. 
And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. An interesting thing. Verse 10. Look over at verse 10, right, right the verse before we started. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. All three. Well, you know, we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in God's world, in Satan's world. He's got Satan and the beast and the prophet. He tried to copy God's triune God, the three gods in one. And they're already in hell, and Satan has been thrown in there. You know, Satan, hell was not created for us people. It was not created for the human race. It was created, but there wasn't any need. Adam and Eve were born to live forever. No reason to have a place to put somebody who sinned until they sinned. And the place that was created for, heaven, for the, Satan and the beasts and the prophet was where God put us that didn't believe that stayed sinners, that were born sinners and stayed sinners. I think it's neat. I mean, it's everywhere. Everywhere you see this idea. It says in Proverbs that if you have a child and you raise him up in the same condition he was given you, he'll grow up to shame his mother. When you've got a child, they come to you an enemy of God. And you've got to change them. You've got to change them or they'll grow up to shame their mama. I don't know why it wouldn't shame their daddy too, but that's what it says. They'll shame their mother. If you leave them like they are. That's enough said right there for licentiousness in raising your children. You can't let them just, as the old folks used to say, jaked up. Just come up any way they want to. Because when you do, they'll grow up to embarrass you, mamas. I think they'll embarrass daddies too. It just doesn't say that. But that is the destination. For the two kinds of people and not for two. Those that spend their eternity, their eternal life, everlasting life with Jesus and God in wherever heaven is and those who spend the rest of their of eternity in the lake of fire burning with Satan and the beast and the prophet. There are people today that don't even believe in hell. There are people today that don't even believe in Satan. And you believe he's not doing a good job? They have not a clue. They think they're walking around making their own decisions, doing their own cool thing, living their own lives, and there's nothing to have to stand for. It's not true. If you take this part out of this scripture right here, you have to throw the whole Bible away. 
because it's there. And it's written in plain everyday English. I mean, even we can understand this 16th century English. The great white throne judgment is a fixed trial when it comes to be. People's destination were already decided when they took their last breath. You don't have a second chance. That's what the rich man was begging for him to go back and tell his brothers because he didn't want them in the same place he was to tell them how bad hell is because they don't know any better and I think they'll wind up here too. Well, in the first chapter of Romans, God says himself in the writings that Jesus made from Paul in his letter to Romans, they don't have an excuse. Nobody has an excuse. Nobody. He says we ought to be able to look around at the things that have been created and see that somebody created them. We may not know about Jesus Christ, but we know about a God that created everything just by looking at what he created. I don't understand all of that. But I hear it and I believe it. God gave them an opportunity to verbally justify that they deserve heaven at the great white throne judgment. And you see, so many of them don't know that what the Word says is Jesus is the only way to get out of here alive. That's what Phil, just simple Louisiana country guy, told him. I can't believe that you'd be cussing the only one that can get you out of this world alive. Makes chills run over you. But so many people don't know. Now who's going to tell them? Another lost person? They don't know either. I've got in discussions with people that were lost. And my Bible says to them, the Bible is foolishness. They can't understand any of it. And they try to argue you about things in the Bible. Don't get in any kind of argument with anybody that's lost. They don't understand the Bible anyhow. You'll just go in circles. In 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, don't get in crazy arguments with people that are trying to argue with you about the Bible. Because it creates problems. Well, what am I supposed to do? I'm a Christian. I want to stand for God. But you can't stand for God with somebody that doesn't have Jesus. You can't stand, you can't argue the Bible for somebody who thinks it's foolishness. That's the reason that Hebrews calls works dead works and good works. There's two kinds. And so many people, lost and saved both, think they're doing good works and they're doing dead works because they're doing things they think is going to please God that God never called them to do. When God tells you, speak to this man, God already has spoke to him through the Holy Spirit. He has. I guarantee you he has. 
And that man is sitting there waiting. He may not accept Jesus Christ because of what you said, but he already knows about him because God's already told him. You remember what happened to Paul when he fell on the road? And a voice came to him and said, it's hard to kick against the prick, isn't it? God was already leading Paul with that sharpened stick that an ox driver drives his ox with, and he'd done been poking him because he was stubborn and wouldn't listen to it. Paul knew who was talking to him. He said, Lord, what am I to do? He knew because Jesus had already been talking to him. And God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to people all around us all the time. And the ones he speaks to, when you speak to them, it'll mean something. I'll have to admit to you, and I'll ask forgiveness if it's sin. I've never been on one of those beach projects. I've never gone into a man's house and come back an hour later and bragged that I kept him from seeing his favorite TV show to tell him about Jesus. I've never done that. God always opens the door. When you see the door open, God says the door is open. Tell him about me. That's the very words he's used with me. Tell him about me. I've had some of them take it and some of them turn it aside. That's what Acts says. Some of them are going to make fun of you. Some of them are going to say, I'll listen to it again. And some of them are going to believe. And you don't know which one is. But the one that God is dealing with, sooner or later will believe. He may not believe that time, but sooner or later he will. And you don't have to go to classes to learn to teach people about Jesus Christ. Have you got him? Is he in your heart? Do you know that? Then you know how to tell somebody how to get Jesus because you've got him yourself. And whatever language you use, uh, hillbilly like me talking or something sophisticated, it's all the same. You don't have to have lessons. All you've got to do is to make daggum sure that when you tell him there is honesty in your face, but you're not trying to sell him something because he's going to be looking at you right in the eye to make sure that what you're telling him about is not some kind of scam or a lie. Be ready for that because he'll check you out or she will check you out. And then sometimes you just have to sit and let it cook a little bit you ladies know what I'm talking about. You turn it on 350 and you shut the oven door and it takes a while before you can take it out. And sometimes that happens. But I'll tell you this, praise God, some of the awfulest people you've ever seen in your whole life has turned to me and said, yes, I want to pray the prayer. And you wouldn't think in one chance they would ever turn to Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit gets through with them, they will. They will but all they need is a voice from you, a voice of experience, somebody with confidence in knowing that I've got Jesus and I want you to have it too. But the only way is Jesus. And I'll just tell you the truth. I don't want one person in hell that I missed. Not one. 
So that's the reason, like Peter said, we all need to be always ready to give a reason to people who don't know of why we're hoping that one day we're going to be in heaven with Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. I just learned last week, the Holy Spirit's still going to be there in heaven after we don't need him anymore. I didn't know that. But he won't be doing what he's been doing. He's going to have a new job. But he doesn't tell me what it is, but I saw it in Revelation last week. He'll be there. He's just doing a different job. Praise God for the plan that he made that covers everything. You cannot find one situation that God hadn't already got planned and covered. And it works. It just needs a mouth. And sometimes a pair of feet to carry that mouth where it needs to go. But you're not going to perish, and I want you to know that. There's no way you're even going to be unconscious for a second. Your mind is going to be working just like your heart beats, and it never quits. And you need to know that. And I don't think you're going to have a way to cry out when you're on your way to hell either. I think it's going to be too late. It's now. That's when you've got time to do something. It's now. And it says too, and I don't understand this either, but it says that God doesn't always mess with us. He doesn't always come after us. There's a time when he quits. So you don't want to wait till after he's quit because you won't accept it then if God's not working with you. If he's not drawing you to him, you won't take him. It's a perfect plan. The only thing I'll never be able to understand is why he included us in it. <laughs> why would he build a perfect plan and then hand it over to us? We're still celebrating the death of Jesus Christ with dyed eggs and Easter bunny. That's how bad we mess up stuff. But the story's there in black and white. The only problem is he gives it to us in little pieces. You have to hunt them all over the scripture to find them. But when you put them all together, they make a pretty good story. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your teaching. Forgive us our sins and fill us with your spirit so we might understand it. And it might find a resting place in our heart, it said. That it might stay there. That it will be ready for God to use anytime he needs it. So we thank you for all this, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.